0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
0: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin. I'm glad you're here to join us again. feel like we've had a lot of podcasts recently because there's been a lot of news to discuss. On today's show, we're going to talk a lot more about Alabama's new um, Head football coach Kalen DeBoer, um, got a chance to talk with him on Saturday at his introductory press conference. We got to talk to him and uh, Alabama Athletics Director Greg Byrne for a combined 20-25 minutes or so. So we have some initial impressions. He is here in Tuscaloosa. I'm here with Mike Rodak, fellow staff writer at Bama 247. We're going to break it all down to first. Mike, it's been a whirlwind week. It's really been a
1: whirlwind last few days. How you doing? How you holding up? Good. I mean... They told me on my radio interview this morning to get some sleep. So I don't know if I sounded tired or what the deal was, but maybe they are just assuming I hadn't slept. I think Greg Byrne – what did he say yesterday? It's like a coaching search day is like seven regular days, like cat ears or whatever. Something so like that. It, uh, I mean, it was quick. I guess that was the good part of it is that it wasn't dragging on and on. Um, it was 49 hours is what Greg Byrne said. So, um, yeah, know, it, but it's also – the cumulative effect of we just had the rose bowl and we're out there for a week and you get back and there's portal stuff and staff stuff and draft stuff and then boom the saving thing drops and then all that now it's the portal and um staff stuff again so it's like on repeat so yeah i got a i got a couple of
0: texts from friends and stuff just you know people that call it follow college football at large. And they're like, you know, Hey, like that's the coaching search is done. And I'm just like, LOL, man, we, we're just getting started, man. Cause you, and we'll get into this on today's show, but there's, you know, you got two different elite level programs, literally two programs that were just in the college football playoff that have 30 day transfer windows. Um, one of them still trying to hire a head coach. The other guy, Kalen DeBoer's in the process of hiring his coordinators, we'll see kind of what player movement looks like. Obviously we've seen a few Alabama players already hit the portal since Saban retired. Um, You know, so just a lot of stuff to keep tabs on over the next 30 some days. So it's longer
1: uh, longer than that. I would say because you have spring practice, which starts in basically two months now, the middle of March. And I think that will be a feeling out period for some of these players, you know, with the new staff and kind of see where they fit. Do they fit into the system? And then you have that second portal period, April 16th, through the 30th, which typically is not all that active. I think three guys went in for Alabama last year. They got two guys coming in. I think it's going to be more active this year um, just because of the situation. And academically, too, you have players who have already started classes, um, coincidentally or not, on the day that Nick Saban retired. And maybe they stick it out for the spring semester and then decide to go somewhere else you know, for the fall semester. So um, I think we're going to be a little bit more – active and seeing things churn a little bit more going into basically may yeah no that's
0: a that's a really good point um spring ball is going to be really interesting both at alabama and at washington we'll obviously keep tabs on everything going on here in tuscaloosa we'll get to some of the to-do list stuff both for you know kind of what we're following what what caleb DeBoer has on his to-do list but i wanted to start here mike we got to we finally got to talk to the new guy um I personally came away pretty impressed, but he had a he had an introductory press conference where you know Alabama President Stuart Bell spoke, Greg Byrne spoke a little bit about the process of just getting DeBoer on board, and then DeBoer obviously gave his opening remarks, and then we were able to chat with both Byrne and DeBoer a little bit, got a little bit of insight into kind of what the immediate plans are moving forward. I'm curious, um, since you weren't on our initial reaction um, podcast, just one, you're a instant you know, kind of quick thoughts on Alabama hiring DeBoer, but then two, kind of what was maybe your overall impression from listening to him talk on Saturday?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm always very hesitant to like have an initial reaction, even like not just publicly, but just like internally, um, because I feel like sometimes things get overblown both directions uh, early as these things happen. And I've, this is the third time now that I've covered a new coach. Cause I covered two in buffalo um and so you know you have a lot of people saying at the very beginning oh great hire you know because this guy has x amount of experience or whatever he did at his last place you say people you you hear people saying oh it's a terrible hire you know they they got a defensive coach when they needed an offensive coach or vice versa there's always some sort of initial reaction and i guess sometimes it might prove to be true over time but it just it, it to me it's not worth a ton um and yeah, I've seen it kind of both ways where like Rex Ryan and Buffalo came in and was boisterous at the beginning of his tenure and everybody loved his his opening press conference because he was you know pounding the podium and saying we're gonna get back to what Buffalo was and we're gonna be aggressive and all that and you know he was jumping out of airplanes literally he was skydiving that summer um, <laughs> you know there was a ton of random Rex Ryan stuff that he was doing that was really exciting to fans. He he got his his pickup truck wrapped with a Bills logo, and people said, Oh, this guy loves Buffalo, he's all about it, he's all in, and he was gone. Um <laughs> two years later in a flame of just incompetence, and um people hated him two years later. I mean, it just completely flipped, and then I think Sean McDermott came in as the exact opposite and everybody loved how he was so buttoned up and he was so organized and he was so disciplined and he got up at 3am every day and his alarm clock started ringing and it was just the exact opposite of Rex Ryan, but everybody loved it too. And they said it was a great hire. Um, and you know, that's probably worked out a little bit better for him, but there's are still fans trying to get him fired in Buffalo. So the initial reaction to me always seems to be just very shallow. And, um, you, know, you can sit here and say, Kalen Bohr is a winner that he's, won championships at a lower level that he went to Washington and turned him into a winner. You could sit here and say that he can't recruit in the Southeast and he was using, um, you know, Chris Peterson's roster before him in Washington. Like you can make arguments either way. And the absolute bottom line is nobody knows. Greg Byrne doesn't know. Nick Saban doesn't know. Stuart Bell doesn't know. Kalen DeBoer doesn't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen, uh, with Kalen DeBoer this year, next year, the year after. And, um, that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, but it's, it's different. I mean, this is the first time that Alabama's experienced something like this since 2007. And I think you had a little bit of a bigger sample size with Nick Saban, at least because he had been at LSU. Everybody had had kind of seen him up close. He had won a national title. This is a little bit more foreign, um, which I think some people not foreign in terms of like, he's not American, but he's from Washington. Like he's from the PAC 12. This is not someone that people really knew a year ago, six months ago. Um, I bet you there was Alabama fans this past week who had never heard of him before. So that part of it, I think people need to get used to, but again, that's not a valid reason to me to not like the hire. So that's kind of where I stand. I know it's not, I love this hire, you know, I hate this hire, but I don't know, I think is a perfectly acceptable answer right now.
0: No, I I think that's the, the pragmatic way to go about it. Um, you know, I, if you want to like the hire, there are a lot of reasons to want to like the hire. You pointed to his ability to win. He has won literally everywhere he's gone from Sioux Falls at the NAI level to turning around Fresno State in a couple years to the most recent couple of seasons at Washington, right? 25 and three, um, won the Pac 12 title this past year, got to the college football playoff national title game. Um, you know, at one point in this two year stretch at Washington, they won 21 games in a row right? They beat Texas twice. They beat Oregon three times. There's, you know, they, even though the final score of the national title game turned out to be pretty lopsided in favor of Michigan, they were in that game, even with the offense, not playing really as well as, you know, I, the offense played a pretty horrible game to be quite honest compared to how they had competed throughout the course of the season. That said on the flip side, if you want to be skeptical of the hire, there is plenty of reason to be skeptical too, right? This guy has never been to the SEC, Um, he has never been, um, you know, I don't know that he's ever coached or recruited in the Southeast. Um, you know, I'd have to go look, I don't know that he has really even, you know, I know that they beat Texas twice, but I don't know that they've, I don't know that he has actually coached against an SEC program or if he has, it did obviously did not go that way. I think when he was at Fresno state, probably as the offensive coordinator was when they actually came down to Alabama, um, did not go well for him that day. So, you know, he's also an offensive guy. Um, I believe history has shown recently just with all of Alabama's success. And then also when you look at the Clemson teams, the Georgia teams, even this past year's Michigan team, um, defense is what'll help you win championships. Not so much offense. I think that's an important aspect here. And, um, we'll get into this a little bit when we get to Kalen DeBoer's to-do list, you know, defensive coordinator hire, I think is going to be huge, especially when you look at who is currently on Alabama's roster and who he'll probably want to keep on Alabama's roster moving forward. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of both. Um, depending on what side you want to fall on. Um, But I am curious too, after getting to hear him talk yesterday, do you have, you know, maybe not a reaction, but just kind of initial thoughts or impressions after hearing the man and meeting the man?
1: Yeah, I think he said kind of what he needed to say in terms of Nick Saban. I think it was the biggest question people had coming in um, because, you know, he's revered. And if you make any sort of indication that you're going to um, not push away, but not fully accept Nick Saban in your life, as your savior, essentially, then, um, then I think that people would have a problem with that around here. Right. Yeah. That's uh, I, I think he certainly knew what he had to do there and had the line where, you know, 100 percent access. And, um, you know, he wants to hear one thing from him every day and you know, maybe 10 things, et cetera. I don't know if that actually will happen because I don't know if Nick Saban's going to be around that much um, to be there literally every single day and to be in his ear. I don't think Nick Saban wants to do that um because a he wants to be in florida i'm sure and playing golf to a certain extent um, but b i think he also is very cognizant and sensitive to you don't want to be overbearing and uh, be the coach who never leaves and um yeah i think it's going to be a very fine line that people are going to be watching pretty closely i guess we're not going to see it necessarily but how much we can gather that how much does nick saban have influence over what's happening still um so that's something. Or again, I think he needed to say what he said on that. And I don't know if it will actually pan out necessarily like that. And I think you know, it's one of those things too. It's like you you leave high school, and then the first time you come back home, it's like, oh, you're you know, you're meeting all your friends again, and you know, you miss this so much. And as you get later and later in college, you're like, you know, maybe some of the high school friends and some of that high school life that you left behind is a little bit more in the past. And I think Nick Saban might initially be around a lot he, he can't really leave it he loves tuscaloosa but over time he might realize that things are fine without him and um you kind of drift away a little bit and i wouldn't be surprised if again over time that happens um you know if he's working in tv he's going to be potentially on college game day maybe all different parts of the country every weekend so um again i think he said the right things caitlin Board did i just don't know if the reality will match that as as far as nick saban but he And there was a question coming into yesterday, like, would Nick Saban be there? Would Nick Saban want to overshadow him? You know, sitting front and center is where they gave him the seat. (laughs) And uh, I know there's that picture on that's kind of circulated on Facebook of Saban kind of looking with had a bit of a long face and everybody around him is not smiling. And they're all watching the press conference. And that's one of the things that people are still going to be watching every single move that Nick Saban makes, every single thing that he says about Alabama is still going to be a story. And I think, again, that's as you talked about yesterday, that's something that DeBoer, I think, has embraced that you're kind of walking into that reality. Um, But, no, we'll just have to see how it goes, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways, at least that I had from yesterday, was that, like, you know, it could have been just him saying the right things. It could have been. Um, you know, 100% truth. It could have been just the fact that he's running on very little sleep and just maybe oblivious to the weight of the role that he just stepped into. But he just didn't seem scared about the idea of having to follow Nick Saban. And that is a daunting task. Um, that was something when Greg Byrne was hired, what was it, seven years ago now? That was literally one of the first questions he was asked, and he was asked multiple times that day. He recalled that moment yesterday when we were talking to him, just, you know, what's it going to be like to be the guy that's going to have to hire the guy that comes after Saban? And he's like, we're just going to kick the can down the road. Seven years later, you know, now you got to pick the can up and do something. And he ultimately picked a guy who, based on everything I heard yesterday, I was just, I, I guess I was impressed by the way he handled that topic. Um mostly because he just didn't shy away from it. There was a moment when he met with the group of reporters. I think it was with, in the digital media room when he was talking to guys on TV and radio, um, you know, somebody asked him like, you know, Hey, it took Saban a couple years before he started winning big. And I've talked to some younger fans and you know, they're young, but like, you know, they said, they're going to give you three games. And DeBoer to his credit, he leaned into it. He's like, I, I want to make sure I have three games. Right. You know, and it's, you know, you look at Alabama's 2024 schedule, it's, you know, three not as tough games, and then they get Georgia at the end of September, right? So it's like, you know, you better be 3-0 and going into that game, but – You know, I mean, there were other moments like that where he just, you know, in his opening, um, you know, it did not take him very long to address Saban, was obviously sitting front and center. Um, You know, you look at everything about the way Saturday unfolded, like DeBoer took the walk of champions where he walked by Sabin's statue Um, when they walked into the north zone. Like, I I think we all mentioned this, too, like all the cameras turned towards Saban and DeBoer just kind of casually walked along like nobody was really kind of focused on him um when we got to talk to him it was in the recruiting room at Bryant Denny Stadium where there's pictures of Saban everywhere they have updated the room with pictures of the SEC championship new pictures of Saban winning previous national championships they updated the SEC championship wall that has 2023 on it now like it was just not something he could escape um so obviously the smart thing to do is lean into it but like i just i really like some of the things that he said um you know i i know that we probably talked about this too or just on previous shows but like when you get to High level athletics and especially high level college football, a lot of the coaches are probably more similar than not. And what struck me was just the way that DeBoer answered some of the questions about, you know, committing to the process, um, you know, kind of being where your feet are, being present. It wasn't really about, you know, getting a job at Alabama, it was about more just kind of enjoying football, enjoying coaching football. He comes from very humble beginnings, right? Coaching at an NAIA program. Um, he's found success everywhere he's gone and it's been kind of a meteoric rise. The guy isn't even 50 yet. Um, but just like the way he handled the idea that like, I'm the guy that's been tapped to follow Nick Saban. I was very impressed by that. He doesn't seem scared of it at all. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. And obviously that's a guy that you need in a position like this. Um, but for him to just kind of come out and get in front of it, the way he did, um, thumbs up on my end. I thought he won that part of the presser.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things too, where you kind of have to wonder what he's thinking sometimes, like, you know, getting off the plane, I'm sure he expected a crowd Mm -hmm. of some sort. I think he even mentioned that it was like borderline overwhelming, I think is, is kind of almost how he phrased it. Um, and then you get into a police escort, you know, you have state troopers that are even the photo of him walking through the hallway when he first got to the facility of state troopers on either side of you, um, which is a very Saban thing. Like, I think it's really a bear Bryant thing. I mean, going back to the sixties and seventies, but, um, it's one of those things It's like you come from washington or you know um fresno like that's not really the case there i don't think and uh it's like a police motorcade for him over to the facility and then even yesterday there's a police motorcade you know pulling in with him and pulling out with him and um you're president of alabama like that's that's basically what this job is and that's different um so just kind of see how he adjusts to that being a small town midwestern guy or upper midwestern i guess would South Dakota will qualify as. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure an adjustment for him. I'm sure it's an adjustment for his family, his wife, his kids, all that. Um, we'll have to see if his daughter goes to Alabama to play softball. That would be interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things too, where I'm sure every hour of every day right now, he's trying to do something, you know, literally trying to move into his office, trying to hire staff, trying to keep players out of the portal. Like he's not going to have a breath He's not going to have a minute to himself probably until March. Um, so that's, that's tough on guys. And uh, again, it's just, it's part of the job. It's why he's being paid. I'm sure it's going to be eight figures, you know, or is that right? I've, I've eight, <laughs> I'm not eight, eight figures. Eight figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's eight figures a year, I think is is where he's going to be right around there. And um, man, I mean, we'll, we'll see about his contract. I know people have asked about that. Yeah, they Alabama, I don't think, puts out like a term sheet. They haven't with their past coaching hires. Um, It's really something we have to wait until the uh, compensation committee meets and then they put out the full contract once it's approved, unless his agent or somebody wants to leak it. But right now it hasn't happened yet. And Greg Byrne was asked about it yesterday and was not biting on that.
0: Um, aside from the Saban conversation, what were some of the bigger things that maybe piqued your interest or some of the more interesting talking points that, you know, we heard from DeBoer and Byrne yesterday?
1: Um, I mean, DeBoer on the quarterbacks, I I do think is something that maybe flew under the radar initially, but it's something that, um, is going to be a story in the spring of some sort. Um, because once we try to transition to more of the football discussion of all this, uh, you do have to ask like where exactly does Jalen Milro fit and he could very well fit in this offense just it's just going to be different than Tommy Reese's offense it's going to be different than Bill O'Brien's offense um and it's it's something where when Grubb was asked about the quarterback position yesterday um I'm trying to pull up his exact quote here you know it was said we've won different ways. We've won national championships with guys who would rather run before throw and we've won it with guys who are pure pocket passers and not very mobile. So you know, I think he's basically saying I'm flexible to meet Jalen Murrow in the middle somewhere. Uh, but I don't know if that means Jalen Murrow does exactly what he did last year either. And, you know, I think, again, there's going to be a feeling out period once they get on the practice field in the spring and, you deboer and ryan grubb get a chance to see Miro, they get a chance to see ty simpson they get a chance to see dylan lonergan and they get a chance to see julian Sain. and there's some good arms and some good pastors right there and i'm not sure Jalen Miro is necessarily the best one so where does that all land i think is a really good question still and again i think right now it's everybody's new Jalen murrow says he's going to be back and he's giving Debore a hug and i'm sure deborah is reciprocating that but I've just been around this business long enough to know that new guys tend to bring in their own guys or pick their own guys. And um, over time that could reveal itself. I don't know for sure, but we'll see. I, I, I'm sitting here right now. I would not hundred percent guarantee that Jalen Murrow is the starting quarterback of Alabama in 2024. I don't think it's a hundred percent lockdown guarantee. I think that would, would be a little bit naive.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a fair point. Cause you know, again, the whole, do you want to be optimistic? Do you want to be skeptical? The optimism or the optimistic point of view here is like, look at what Kalen DeBoer has been able to do with a lot of different quarterbacks at a lot of different spots. Um, you know, and you know, he will we'll get into this too in a second, but he's had the same OC at every head coaching stop as well. And Ryan Grubb. And it appears to be that, you know, it seems like he's going to join DeBoer in Alabama, um, which is an exciting thought because they, when those two tend to link up, good things happen for the offense that they're coaching. So, Again, if you're optimistic and you want to be excited about this, those two guys working with Milra, working with Simpson, working with Saiyan, working with Lonergan, like there's a lot of good things that could potentially come of that. If you want to be skeptical, those are not their guys. So do they stay if they do in what capacity? Um, you know, I one of the interesting things I think that also came out yesterday that was a little under the radar. Um, Washington had landed Will Rogers who had played, you know, at one of the SEC's most prolific passers at Mississippi state, they had landed him out of the portal. He was at Washington. Um, he is now back in the portal because, you know, the 30 day window after DeBoer left. Um, you know, so we'll see where Rogers ends up. I I would be, I guess, a little surprised if he ultimately came to Tuscaloosa, but that's something that we're going to probably have to monitor here. Um, I think one of the,
1: sorry to I just want to butt in on Rodgers real quick. It could be a tough sell with Rodgers because of how bad he was against Alabama the last (laughs) few years. I mean, he had all those interceptions, um, did not have a passing touchdown until his last game against Alabama this past year. Yeah. And, you know, part of that could be Mike Leach's offense for the first part of that tenure um, was very simple in terms of like four wide receivers, air raid, and Nick Saban just figured it out. Nick Saban just was shutting it down every single year. Um, Maybe if you put, a Will Rogers in a more complex, shall we say, Ryan Grubb offense, um, Kalen Bohr offense, maybe that changes. But I think everybody has seen a lot of Will Rogers the last four or five years, whatever it's been. And results have not been good against Alabama. So uh, even though he has the record, he's just thrown the ball a lot, uh, which is why he has the record. But sorry to interrupt.
0: No, no, you're good. And I, well, I, where I was maybe going with that part of the conversation was just, you know, DeBoer's to-do list now he did kind of clue us in a little bit on kind of where his head is at what he wants to do first what he wants to do kind of in perpetuity I guess for the next month or so two months whatever the case may be Um, you know and it seems like he's you know hiring the coordinators first is kind of top priority he wants to you know he wants to make sure that the players that you know are considering staying or planning on staying know who their coaches are Um, it seems like he's of the philosophy that as long as he gets his coordinators in place then they can kind of figure out the assistance beneath them um, again, we kind of mentioned this already. Ryan Grubb is not going to be retained as Washington's head coach. He's been the offensive coordinator with DeBoer at literally every stop, Sioux Falls, Fresno State, Washington. It would appear that he's going to come to Alabama here. Um, he's had a defensive coordinator with him at virtually every stop as well. Chuck Morrill was with him at Sioux Falls. He was with him at Fresno State as a safeties coach, not the defensive coordinator. And then at Washington, he was the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. Um, I Um I'm curious if they're just going to keep the band of brothers together. Um, I think Grubb is a great hire. I wonder if Morrill is the right guy for a job like Alabama at an SEC program in the SEC, where you, you know, one, you've got, you know, a more stacked defensive roster than you've probably ever had at any previous coaching stop. Um, So is Chuck Morrill the guy? Do you need to go out and make another splashy hire? I'm kind of curious about this particular conversation when it comes to. Who is DeBoer going to hire at defensive coordinator? Who does he maybe need to hire? Um, I think it's important to note, too, that yesterday Travaris Robinson officially announced as Georgia's co-defensive coordinator. He's huge on the re- – he's been huge on the recruiting trail. He's been huge when it comes to the development of Alabama's defensive backs and cornerbacks specifically. Look at Terri Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, two guys that are probably going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. There's still a lot of talent in the room. Um you know, I, another thing to point out too, there's been so many things that have been going on. Des Ricks, former five-star guy, entered the portal yesterday. Um, I believe that was shortly after the Trevars Robinson news. So like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if DeBoer kind of kept the band together with Grub and Morrill. Um, that said, I wonder if, you know, this is no shot at Morrill. I wonder if he's the right hire at defensive coordinator. I wonder what DeBoer does or what he's going to consider when it comes to hiring a defensive coordinator to, you know, one, you know, you you probably need a guy that's got some experience coaching or recruiting in the SEC. But two, you need a guy that can absolutely take advantage of the talent that they have on this roster, and a guy that those kids are going to want to play for. I'm going to stop now because I'm going to keep rambling. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it's more likely we see changes from Washington staff on the defensive side and the offensive side. I think there's a lot of sense if you're bringing in, uh, for instance, a Jamarcus Shepard, uh, there the passing game coordinator, given how good their passing game was um in their development with michael Penix and their wide receivers um i think it would make a heck of a lot of sense bringing scott huff uh as the offensive line coach because he just won the joe moore award uh i think there would be a lot of synergy there with with grubs and you know deborah is an offensive guy but your defensive staff i think you could make a better argument if you're caitlin Deboer and you're talking to chuck morrow Morel. i which honestly, I, I knew which one it was. Um, I just had <laughs> in football, so I apologize. But uh, Washington was, I think, 96th in total defense this year. Um, they were yeah,
0: good. They weren't great, but they were good. Um, right. You know,
1: and we saw Michigan just kind of run over them for you know the first part of that game Monday night. Um, and so again, I think you can make an easier argument that hey, Chuck, like you know we've been around together a lot, but this is a different situation for me at Alabama. I'm going to need. Um, you know, potentially someone with a little more SEC experience. And do you want to come by as an analyst or do you want to come by as a defensive assistant or something like, you know, you've been around football for a while, like hang around here, see where it gets you. Um, I, I think you can make an argument, you know, if DJ Durkin was already on the radar with Saban um, potentially, you know, to replace Kevin Steele that Durkin does have that um, experience, you know, recruiting, he was at Florida for a while, um he was at Ole Miss for a couple of years he was at AM the last couple of years and AM's defense I think was pretty good too um does have you know the baggage from Maryland certainly um so you know that would be one option I don't think it's by far the only option um but you know the board doesn't have a ton of connections and he kind of noted this too like he doesn't have the phone numbers of all the coaches in the south to kind of talk to and know so that is something where it's like you try to look and see who he's worked with. Like, well, he was at Indiana. He worked with Kane Womack um, as uh, his defensive coordinator. Kane Womack's at South Alabama now is the head coach. Like, I think that you'd probably stay in that role um, probably, but i not – never really know for sure. Uh, but who does he know? Like, who who exactly could he convince to, to come along um, would be the big question. And as of right now, there's not a ton of buzz, if you will, around the defensive coordinator job and potential names yet. So that is something we'll have to see, you know, kind of in the coming hours, not even days, and see what happens there. Um, But people, I think, were upset about T-Rob. But but look, I think T-Rob had a very good chance of leaving regardless, um, even if Nick Saban was still around. His contract was up. There was a lot of talk about him going elsewhere, whether it was Auburn or Georgia or wherever. And I don't know if that was really a realistic possibility. So. Uh, again, it's one of those things where people have a lot of familiarity with certain names and certain guys, and they you know, they want Glenn Schumann, for instance, who's been around the SEC, or they want they want Jeremy Pruitt to come back and serve as one-year suspension <laughs> and somehow be the defensive coordinator. Um, but I think this whole thing in general, people do need to open their minds a little bit to there's more coaches that coach football outside of the Southeast, and I do think Kalen Bohr is going to tap into that. Uh, probably more than he will the familiar names
0: 100 percent. of the um i guess last question on this on this coaching stuff because I, I feel like he's going to move pretty quickly on this so i don't want to spend too much time on it but you look at some of the guys that were on alabama staff this past year um, who haven't already moved on i'm looking at like holman wiggins freddie roach um, you look at the list of analysts that they've got zach mettenberger i know was held in pretty high regard uh, on the wiggins is
1: on a, wiggins a wiggins it
0: okay yeah so right. that's See, there's a lot that's happened here that I just haven't got <laughs> track of, right? But there's You're also, right. you know, Robert Ball is there. Charlie Strong has, you know, was an analyst. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who do you think he might retain, if anybody at all, you know, just to kind of, you know, help him build some SEC, um, you know, ties here?
1: To me, and this is just me speculating at somewhat in an early stage here, I think Freddie Roach would make the most sense uh, because of his connections to literally Alabama. He's a former Alabama player. Yeah. Uh, his recruiting connections. Again, it's a position where uh, I don't know a ton about okay Brecker who who is Washington's defensive line coach. But you know, is it, it would he be the right guy for this job? He, you know, he was at Vanderbilt, he's at Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, UCLA. Like, um, but if you're looking for SEC ties, and again, he said he kind of wants some coaches on a staff with SEC ties. I think Freddie Roach would be a really good pick. Uh, and that's something Nate Oates even mentioned too, when Nate Oates was asked about kind of your secret to, you know, when you first got the job being a Northerner and he said, the best thing I ever did was keep Antoine Petway, who was a former Alabama player and kind of knew where everything could be found. Um, and, you know, Petway was a good member of his staff for four years. So Roach would make the most sense to me. Um, you know, Robert Bala is not an SEC guy. This is really his first year in the SEC. I don't know if he would really provide a ton of value from that perspective. And he's the only other guy on defense. So you're four other retaining, or not retaining, but coaches that are still here for the now are Reese, Robert Galepsi, the running backs coach, who is a SEC guy who was at Tennessee before. Joe Cox, who I think Nick Saban really likes, but he could probably find another job somewhere else. I think Georgia would be a potential spot for him. Um, And then Eric Wolford, who I think has done a good job as offensive line coach. But if you have a better option at Washington, then, I don't know if, you know, Wolford would be the guy here. So my mind tends to hone in on, on Freddie Roach being the most likely to return.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense just from, you know, keeping a guy who understands Alabama on staff and also just with a lot of the recruiting ties. And then also Alabama's defensive line was very good last year. You think that that continuity and that consistency, I think will only help um, when it comes to what Alabama will look like defensively next season. Yeah. Um, We believe the coordinators are probably going to be at the top of DeBoer's to-do list. Um, Not very far behind that, I think, is going to be doing his best to retain as much of the roster as possible. We've already seen a few defections since Saban's retirement. Isaiah Bond um Des ricks sean murphy i believe those are the only three so far at the time that we're recording this on sunday morning let me um, check
1: and make sure <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> well as as you're checking just something to to keep in mind and I'll, and I'll have a story coming out you know first thing monday morning with kind of a list of guys that i think Debor needs to keep but um you know some of these names might be obvious but who do you think primarily are the guys that DeBoer absolutely 110 needs to keep on this alabama roster moving forward
1: Caleb Downs, I think, is still number one in that list. And um yeah. you, know, you sense people are still a little bit nervous about that. And you know, he obviously would command a lot of value, obviously has a lot of connections to Georgia. Um, but you know, could go anywhere potentially. Um, so that would be the number one guy you want to keep in the fold. I think Tyler Booker would have been high on that list. Booker's confirmed that he's coming back. Um, you know, it's just who are the the best players really that are left. You know, I think a guy like Jihad Campbell, if, you're, if you've are if already lost Kendrick Blackshire and Sean Murphy, you want to make sure that Jihad Campbell is still here. You know, I think he will. I think he has an opportunity to start in this defense. But then again, there's the question of a <clears throat> new defensive coordinator brings a new scheme. Does he fit quite the same way um, as he did in Saban's, you know, 3-4 defense? We'll have to see. And he played edge coming out of high school. So maybe he can go outside or do something like that. But that's one of the things. You hire a new coach, there's a new system. Some of the players that excelled in the old system don't necessarily have the same fit in the new system. Um, other than that, I mean, it's Justice Haynes, I think, is one, but I think he's kind of indicated he's coming back. Um, I don't want to say Alabama's cupboard is bare, but I I think those are the biggest – I mean, Julian Sain, I think, was the other one too. Um, you know, just kind of see what he does. He wasn't recruited by DeBoer and, and um, Grubb. You know, I think – it would make sense for him to stick out the spring at least and kind of see where he fits because like I said, maybe he could extend pretty quickly. Um, but if he doesn't, then, you know, you do have the summer and potentially look elsewhere, I guess. Um, so yeah, those would be it. Um, well, I don't know. I guess the NLI part of it could complicate saying, just thinking of that out loud because I think you commit for a year when you sign your letter of intent. So,
0: but, see, like, I thought no matter, if there's a coaching change, no matter what or how, it thirty so,
1: days to transfer. I was reading about that last night, and, again, it's interesting that Nick Saban made his decision on the first day of classes um, because it says – I know this is interesting radio, but um, <laughs> I'm just trying to find the FAQ I was reading last night on uh, – here it is, NIL PDF. So it says head coach and change. If a head coach change occurs before the signee attends the signing institution or participates in preseason practice, whichever is earlier, the signee has the option to submit an NIL release request, and the signing signing institution must grant to complete release. Um, and so it's something where formally request. Yeah, if a binding L'Angers you need to formally submit an naO release request. If you no longer want to attend the institution, do the head coach departure and the institution must grant you a complete release. Uh, once you trigger attendance, full-time enrollment attending classes in a regular academic term, which again began Wednesday. Um, hmm. So the situation, I think for the NLI, the freshmen would be different Wednesday as it would have been Tuesday is my reading of that. I'm not an expert in that field by any means, but, um, I know, something to keep in mind because I think it's kind of interesting when exactly Nick Saban did what he did um, when maybe it could have been a few days earlier, but did it help Alabama retain some guys by doing it on the first day of classes?
0: That's interesting. That's at the very least, I think it's going to give, you know, DeBoer and his staff, whenever they hire, just the opportunity to get to know these guys they are going to be able to get to go through spring ball with them. And if it still doesn't work out by the April transfer window, so be it, um, you know, but that's, you know, you talk about Sabin trying to leave it, leave the program in a spot where it's, you know, the, the new guy is, is stepping into a pretty good situation. Um, Maybe a little devious, but hey, thumbs up to Saban for that. Um Yeah, I guess, you know, like th- there's a lot that we're going to obviously keep track of in the days, weeks and months ahead, just with hirings and, and the transfer portal stuff. I, what are maybe you most... Interested in following now that they have Deboer in place, now that he's here, now that it seems like he's got an offensive coordinator. Like, what are you like? What's what's going to make your antenna go berserk over the next you know couple weeks and months?
1: <laughs> the portal. Um, I mean, at <laughs> Portal, so it's thirty days, and so again, there's um, it, there's some time for guys to kind of mull things over. Um, you know, you probably have to sit out the spring semester if you want somewhere else. I would guess academically. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert in some of the academic angles of this, but you have 30 days. So you have to make sure that everybody's staying for that length of time. Nobody changes their mind, nobody gets a bigger offer NIL wise. Um, and then for me, it's like, what does this all look like in the spring? A, do we watch practice? I mean, that would be a difference. Um, (laughs) but you know, once we get out there or at least hear from him or see something that what does this all look like and uh i don't know it's it's all different it's all uncharted territory it's like the things we were talking about a few days ago a week ago just seems so insignificant now like some of the depth chart stuff and and um x is no stuff it's just much bigger now in terms of what's going to be different and i do think things will look a lot different on the field
0: yeah no i think that'll you know we might have to hold off on just you know What's what what does Alabama have coming back? What could it look like? Um, you know, I think one of the more fun things over the next you know few weeks is, you know, obviously monitoring the transfer portal, who comes, who goes, um, what does it potentially mean for the future of Alabama's offense and defense? Um, you know, but I'm kind of excited to kind of go back a little bit and and you know dig into You know, a little bit more of, you know, DeBoer's offense that he had at Washington and Fresno, and maybe looking a little bit back at some of his OC days and what Ryan Grubb will potentially bring to the table and what does that mean for Alabama's offense? Who could potentially benefit from that? Um, The defensive coordinator hire, I think, is going to be super interesting. You know, whether it's his buddy Chuck Morrell, Morrell, however you pronounce that, sorry for butchering it, we probably did, but. Um, you know, does he go that route? Does he, you know, take maybe a bigger swing on, you know, a, a better known SEC name or maybe a more well-known defensive coordinator? Does he go after a primary recruiter? Just a lot of interesting things. I think he'll move pretty quickly there, but, um, you know, that could ultimately spur more portal entries potentially, um, you know, who, who from Washington maybe follows him. I think that's another interesting part, um, you know, two very, very different rosters when you look at kind of the overall team talent composite. Um, you know, but some of those guys were his guys. And so I imagine some of those guys are going to follow, um, you know, and, and then at the same time, there's probably going to be room that's going to be made here in Tuscaloosa. So those guys can come in. There's a lot of interesting things that we're going to get to, you know, kind of monitor and figure out. And I agree with you. I think spring ball, by the time we get there, um, you know, I don't want to say that everything will be set in stone by then, but I think a lot more of it, the, the picture will become a little bit more clear um, you know, and hopefully we can watch a few practices here and there to kind of give us a sense of maybe what they're going to try to do, how the, you know, current Alabama players who end up sticking it out, how do they feel about it? That sort of thing. There's going to be a lot of different things to monitor, um, when it comes to this. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I, that's really all I kind of wanted to get to today, Mike, I appreciate you jumping on with me. You got any other final thoughts here before we sign off?
1: No, just everything changes hour by hour. So it, uh, there's a new thing I'm sure will pop up right after this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll make part of this conversation just absolutely moot. Um, yeah, that was uh that was kind of all I had for uh planned for today, guys. We appreciate you all tuning in. Not sure when we'll be back. I think we're gonna kind of be at the mercy of you know, some hiring, some transfer portal stuff. We're gonna try and get back sometime this next week um to try and you know make sense of some of the newer developments. Maybe we'll talk basketball. Not 100% sure. I know that they won at Mississippi State last night. The only two SEC undefeated teams or the only two teams that are undefeated in SEC play, Alabama and Auburn. They don't play until later this month, but we'll try and work some hoops into the next show as well. Um, unless there's too much football news to touch on. So yeah, we'll be back sometime this next week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Believe we're still running a 60% off annual VIP membership special, $43 for the entire year. I think you guys are going to want to sign up um, so you can stay on top of all the new developments that it comes with. Kaitlin DeBoer, the new head coach at Alabama Football. Mike, thank you so much for jumping on today. We appreciate you guys always for listening, and we will talk to you all again soon.